have you with us on this edition of the Baseball League Podcast. Kyle Ofrig and Ray Flowers with you to uh, recap all the greatest and latest in the world of fantasy baseball. And I will tell you this from the start. Uh, Ray, I decided this morning that I was tired of just recapping injuries like every Monday and, and all the bad news right. and who's not going to be with us for the next six to eight weeks. So, so Ray, I will say uh, today's podcast, we are going to start with positive news. We're going to look at good things. Uh, as opposed to all the bad things we usually start with. Oh, I like that. I, you know me. I'm, I tend to lean negative anyway. So you keeping me honest is probably a good thing. Yeah, but it's early in the week. You should still have a positive attitude. It's it's just Monday, Ray. There's well, nothing to get you pissed off right now. Is well, there? it's it's funny you say that because I had plans on Sunday. Uh, we did our show. We're on Sirius XM Saturdays and Sundays from 3 to 5 Eastern. We're also on Friday nights from 10 to 12 Eastern. Uh, and we finished the show on Sunday. And my plan for Sunday afternoon was, this is my plan. I was going to work on a hockey, I mean, excuse me, a football article for Fantasy Guru. I was going to spend a couple hours doing that. I was going to spend a couple hours uh, reading a book, relaxing, you know, then having some, you know, family dinner and that kind of thing. I ended up spending the entire time, the entire four hours, not reading, not doing my football article, instead helping create a new um, metric for Fantasy Guru <laughs> subscribers for Elite Fantasy. So Jeff Manns and I were on the phone, we were, we're hashing out the final details, so... I, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of brain power going into it. So, you know, no complaints, but it already feels like this is a Tuesday, Kyle. Sunday was pretty heavy. You've, you've piqued my interest. A new metric? Can you give us a, what, what are you working on? Is this is this pitching, hitting? What, what, what is Ray Flowers putting his brain power to? Yeah, it's actually everything. Um, <laughs> we're replacing war. No. Um, what we have done, and, and there'll be more about this, uh, it's really the way we're positioning it is really as a DFS tool. Um, for the day-to-day, -day. and I think there might be some bleed over into the seasonal component here, but when we release it, it'll be a DFS tool. Um, basically, we're looking at hitting and pitching and creating kind of a matchup kind of number, uh, and we're calling it the Smash Report. So um, the Smash Report is uh, we're, we're finalizing everything. We've got the programming. It should be done today, I hope. Uh, and then we'll get into it with some more details over at EliteFantasy.com. We'll have a little video, I think, is what we're going to do to kind of lay it down. But uh, I think it uh, could be pretty revolutionary, actually, Ooh. Kyle. We're, we're, uh, Jeff and I are pretty damn excited about it. I, for both of our knowledge, and I think Jeff knows a lot more about this than I do, uh, I don't think anyone has anything like this. So pretty excited about it. Awesome. Well, when that is uh, ready to go and it's officially launched, like you said, it's DFS. We, we've concentrated a little more on the season long, but we'll make sure to get that news out and let people know what is available. So uh, that has kept you busy. I mean, Ray, for me, um, you know, you mentioned Smash. I, I went and had, um, check this out, three Smash burgers over at my in-laws last night. I, I had no intention of even one burger, but they looked so damn good. Um, and these were smashed on the grill. He has like a special grilling plate that you can put over the, the actual grill. Okay. And it yeah. allows you to smash these burgers. And a smash burger is like the way to have a burger. And I went hog wild on the smash burgers last night. So while you were smashing numbers, I was kind of smashing uh, beef last night. How did you feel after it was? Did it hit you? Awful. Home? Awful. I, 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 Ray, I, I sat on the couch and it was like 730. Yeah. And I could barely move. Yeah. I've been there, Kyle. Yeah, it just didn't feel good. Yeah. You know. But it was awesome in the moment. You know, like a lot of things. In the moment, it was great. Fantastic. Was yeah. <laughs> Afterwards, you kind of felt guilty. Um, I guarantee you this. Over the next hour as you listen to this podcast, you will not get to the end of it and feel guilty. I promise you. Uh, we've got so much to recap. And like I said, as we get into the starting nine, uh, we're going to start on the positive side. Um, we're a full two months into the season. So uh, we're going to go best by position in both the American League and the National League. Those will be our, our first two hitters in the starting nine. We'll start with the AL. We'll go to the NL. So, so we'll spotlight the, 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 the greatest at each position thus far. Um, in the three hole, we're going to talk about pitching, perhaps slowing down. Is this something, because they have dominated the first two months. You know, we've talked about batting average and strikeouts and no hitters and you know, the whips are just crazy low, all this stuff. Is there a reason to think that pitching will slow down as we get into the summer months of the season? We're going to hit on that in the three spot. In the four hole, we'll uh, take a look at a pitcher who's not been like an all-star, but he has been pretty good, and he was good again on Sunday. Player profile of Marcus Stroman. We'll get you some news and notes, including a timetable on Mike Trout in the uh, MLB news and notes five spot. 
Uh, the six hole will be our Monday waiver wire bid recap from the Sirius XM host league. A lot of outfielders on the move in that league. So we'll tell you some of the bids that were brought in last night. In the seven spot, we'll uh, spotlight a few of the highlights from the weekly planner article by Rob Povia over at uh, Fantasy Guru. So we'll hit on that in the seven hole random reference, of course, at eight. And then in the nine spot, we'll close things down with our stamp of approval. So that is the lineup one through nine. Uh, Ray, let's start with the good stuff. Um, Time to point out the guys who are dominating. Time to point out the guys who are shining in fantasy circles. Uh, Best of position by position. Like I said, we'll do National League coming up. We're going to start with the American League. And, And I'll tell you this, Ray, the first thing that jumped off the page to me is in the infield, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays have the top first baseman, Vlad Jr. They have the top second baseman, Marcus Simeon, and they have the top shortstop, Bo Bichette. Now, they're not first place in the American League East. Um, in fact, I think they're like third or fourth place as we sit here today and record this. But, Ray, fantasy-wise, we're getting some serious numbers from those three dudes, Vlad Jr., Simeon, and Bichette. It's fairly impressive to have three from the same team and all three in the infield with the Blue Jays. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and all three of them were obviously drafted with expectations of being really good. Uh, none of them were drafted at the top of their position, but everyone was hoping that this would be the year that Vladimir Guerrero became what we thought he could become, uh, you know, with Bichette, I think it's just a matter of staying healthy and playing a full season. And then with Simeon, the hope was that he would return to the level that he was at a couple years ago when I think, what was he, third in the, the MVP vote in the American League? And, you know, Simeon started really slowly and there were some concerns. And then May was incredible. And, uh, you know, he's on pace to go 30-20 this year. Like, he's just been phenomenal. Vlad has been, and we talked about this yesterday with Steve Phillips on SiriusXM, Vladimir Guerrero, you know, on the road has been Brandon Belt. He's been, you know, he's, he's been Mitch Moreland. He hasn't been great, but at home, he's been just the best hitter in baseball. And overall, the numbers are stupendous. He's in the MVP discussion right now. Uh, and then, you know, back to Bichette, you know, just a, a hair behind Simeon. Uh, the rest of the way, I, I kind of have a, a difficult time thinking that it's going to be that way. It could reverse itself. I could see Simeon's batting average down, Bichette's up a little bit, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's 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 remarkable for the Blue Jays to have those three guys performing the way they are in the fantasy game. And it's amazing to think, as you're pointing out, they're standing in the American League. Well, and it kind of makes it difficult, Ray, to project these guys moving forward because they're going through something that we don't ever see in baseball, where in effect, they're changing home ballparks in the middle of the season. And, and they may not be done changing home ballparks. And this goes to what you were talking about with Vlad. He put up so many of his numbers, and honestly, um, to an extent, Simeon Bichette, everybody in this lineup, they were killing it in Dunedin, Florida. Offensively, they were killing it. I was looking at the numbers today. They averaged just a shade under six runs a game in Dunedin, Florida. I think it was 5.91, something like that. Really big number in baseball. Ray, now they've made the move to Buffalo. A month from now, they may be making the move back to Toronto. We don't know. But right now, they're in Buffalo. And, Ray, we've seen a handful of games. This is not to say this is the way it's going to be. But, Ray, I think they've played five games at home in Buffalo. And the average run scored is sitting at, like, 4.2 or something, uh, which is dramatically different from Florida. Now, again, it's only a handful of games. It's not the way it's going to be. And again, it may only be that way for a month. But I wonder if we see that in the month of June where these guys have, in effect, been kind of playing at Coors Field and all of a sudden we're going to send them to a different ballpark in the middle of the year. It it -hmm. could make a difference for not only these three guys, but the entire Blue Jays offense. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at the road production to date, and I will admit, as I have when this has come up, it's small sample size. It's like you're looking at the entire season's a small sample size. When you're chopping it up home and away to half Uh of that, it's obviously small sample size. But you look at those three guys that we're talking about, the performances on the road this year, Marcus Simeon, 916 OPS. Fantastic. Okay. Vladimir Guerrero, 807. Again, that's, you know, that's a usable guy in fantasy, but that's not a star. Bo Bichette, 684. That's bad. Okay. Um, that's that's really intriguing because if you if you add Vladimir Guerrero and Bo Bichette together on the road and they and they have a 740 OPS, you know, is, you know, David Peralta is not a player anyone loves. His number's higher than that. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like 740 is not a number that stands out at all. So it will be fascinating to track this. 
because there is such a drastic difference between the production in the home parks and what they've done on the road. Well, and, and as you look at their schedule for June, and again, the expectation, or maybe I should say the hope, is that Toronto, come early July, they're going to be back in front of their actual home fans. That's the hope, is that they're you know back in the Rogers Center and playing baseball. So, Ray, we may only get Buffalo for June. And like I said, we've had five games. There's a three-game home set with New York uh, the middle of this month. And then at the very end of the month, the last week, they're home against Baltimore and Seattle. So I think it totals like 10 more home games in Buffalo. So again, we're not going to get anything drastic there. They have just 10 more games there. But again, over the final four months, they're not in Dunedin, Florida. So it'll be like two months in Florida, hitters ballpark, and then four months elsewhere, which we should know Rogers Center is not a pitcher's ballpark by any stretch. So just something to follow. And I will say in the month of June, like starting this week, they go to the south side of Chicago. They go to Boston. They have games in Baltimore. Like they still get hitters ballparks, but we'll just see something to follow. I think in the month of June. And the reason I really bring it up is like we noted, we've got three superstars right now with this team. So can they keep it going uh, when they're not getting, you know, the, the full offensive buffet that they've had in Dunedin. Now in the infield, the only non blue Jay there, Ray, the, the best of the best is over at third base. It's Raphael Devers. Um, so Devers makes the cut there. Um, he's had a good season, Ray. Uh, there is no doubt. And he's totally rebounded from maybe some of the questions about, well, was last year a stall out? Um, is he really a superstar? Uh, no questions. He is part of that giant trio with the Red Sox. It's just killing it. He leads baseball right now with RBIs with 48 of them, which is pretty impressive when you consider Bogarts and Martinez are doing what they're doing. Yet Devers is still racking up ribbies at a crazy pace right now. By the way, I just realized I turned the positive of Toronto into a negative. I already did it. <laughs> I'm so bad. Um, I'll be that. I'll say this. Devers, yes, positive. It, Devers is legit. Let's just say yeah. that, huh? He's going to do it all year, huh? Yeah, he is legit. And, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about him, about how some of the expectations were unfair with him. Because when in 2019, you go back and look at his 2019 season, it's spectacular. It's not good. It's not great. It's spectacular. And when you set the bar that high as a young player – you know, people expect so much from you that when you're really, really good, maybe they kind of go, eh. But Devers is 24 years old. Like, this is a guy that, you know, Boston's you know, going to look back at this player 15 years from now and be like, we got a Hall of Fame guy play third base for us. I mean, this is guy's legit. And, you know, it's, it's great to see him rebound, I guess, from last year, though, really. I mean, his overall it's game. It's not all that different from yeah, last year, is it? His overall game was down, but still he was extremely productive in the run production category, which at the end of the day is really what the team needs from him. Um, but yeah, he's 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 really good. I, I don't, you know, like his pace right now, what's it, 40, 45 hormones? I don't really think he's that guy, but the rest of this game, it's it's who he is. And it's an impressive combination of skills at that age. So there's your infield, Vlad Simeon, um, Devers, and Bichette. Your catcher is Sal Perez. I think we mentioned him a couple weeks, or maybe it was on the other show, Ray. I was like, I, I was done with Sal Perez three years ago. I was totally wrong. Like, the guy has come back from Tommy John surgery, and, Ray, it's like they, they turn him into the $6 million man. They must have done something else besides just his elbow because now he's like a force at the plate. It's, you know, it's totally Sal Perez. He, he doesn't walk. He string, swings at everything. But this year he's putting it in play. And obviously there's not a ton of competition at catcher, but he's been good regardless this season. Yeah. If, if he was an outfielder or a first baseman, you'd sign him up. I mean, he's been terrific. And, you know, honestly, since the start of last season, when you're, as you mentioned, coming back from the miss 2019, he's played 94 games, he's hitting 298 with 25 home runs and 72 RBIs, which is his full season home run RBI production. It's a better batting average than we've ever expected from him. And he's done it in 94 games. I mean, he he's honestly, since the start of last season, been Mike Piazza. I mean, it's it's remarkable. It really is, because he's been so good and stable for so long. You knew you were getting 2075. He was doing it like this it every 2070, whatever it was, every year, right? He's taken it to a whole nother level. He's done 2070 in 94 games since the start of last season. And you know, the batting average is, is starting to fall a little bit with him. And, you know, I, is he a 275 hitter? Eh, maybe. That's where he's at right now. Um, and is the power going to continue at this pace? No, it's absolutely not in my opinion. But it doesn't matter because if he does 250, you know, 25, which he's on pace to blow past this year, he's still going to be like a top three catcher. So Yeah, the, the, the challenge down. with these guys, Ray, is, is now we're in the summer months and it just yeah. wears you down. Yeah. You know, it, it does. And, and so, you know, if we're talking about these kind of numbers come September, it's 
mind blowing. Uh, you just have to expect a natural wear down with this position. And, and that's, you know, that goes back to March and draft day is it's great. The two months have been awesome for Sal Perez and it's not like you're trading him or, Oh, I got to get another catcher to back him up. But, you know, you just got to be honest with your assessment. If he slumps, you don't get to complain. I mean, he's a catcher. That's, <laughs> that's the nature of the position. Absolutely. And so, you know, it is a battle at that spot. And again, what happens is we've seen this happen with your mean Mercedes too. It's right. Like a guy, some of these guys started out so well, they can go five for 45 and their numbers still look great or, or at least in parallel to those others at his position. So keep an eye on it. You know, it's not one of those things that you're, you really have many options on the waiver wire. Even if your guy struggles, like you're going to drop Salvador Perez and go pick up Jacob Stallings. I don't think so. So <laughs> it's one of those things where you probably just write it out, but as long as he stays healthy, even if he slows down, he'll be one of the top guys at the position. As we move to the outfield in the American League, Ray, uh, this is rebound central. Top three AL outfielders, Adolis Garcia, J.D. Martinez, and Austin Meadows. Legitimately, Ray, rebound central. Martinez was down last year. People worried about him a bit coming into this year. Not you, but some people did. Um, Austin Meadows has has been really strong this season. It kind of comes and goes. It comes in bunches, and he'll go into slumps, and you know, he's, he's playing every day, so it's good, and, and he's putting up home runs and all that good stuff. And then Adolis Garcia, you know, it's, it's not that, oh, he was so bad last year. Is he going to rebound? There was none of that. It's just Adolis Garcia. Who the hell is he? I mean, in Texas, DFA'd him. Anybody in baseball could have had him, and, and, and the Rangers brought him back. But kind of remarkable to look at the top three AL outfielders, Ray, and, and literally like five months ago, you're looking at all three of these guys and wondering, oh, we got in this guy and yet they're superstars in the first two months yeah jd martinez is a little beat up right now he didn't play sunday it doesn't look like he's going to play monday so we'll have to keep an eye on that let's hope that that wrist issue that he injured while he was sliding is no big deal because he has had a remarkable bounce back season we don't want anything getting in way of him returning to being the hitter he was after that lost season last year uh, the may i mean excuse me the, the meadows situation is really interesting because meadows in in first month of the season was bad he hit 218 he had nine RBIs, didn't steal a base. Like, it's 26 strikeouts in 24 games. Yikes. And then in May, the strikeouts actually got a little worse, 29 and 26. Didn't get any better there. But the rest of his game just took off. And, like, the last three weeks, he's been as good a hitter as there is, really. You look at the numbers, they're just terrific for Meadows. And so he is back to at the level of performer that we saw previously. The batting average is still, you know, he's not even at 250. So I don't. 290 is where he was at the start. Since then, he's been a 230 hitter. We've got more room to go there, but the run production has been terrific. And then Garcia, he's interesting. I, he's the one of these three that I worry the most about. Obviously. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. And it's it's the, one of those scenarios where, you know, there's there's a lot of strikeouts here. And, you know, the, the home run to fly ball ratio is over 30%. It's just a monstrous number. And I, I, I mean, Kyle, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. He could hit 250 the rest of the way. And he's mm-hmm. you know, still going to have, a, you know, he's still going to hit 260. He his power could be cut in half. He's still going to hit 29 home runs. You know what I mean? It's like he, the numbers are going to be there if he stays healthy, but I do worry about him the rest of the way. Utility spot on this all AL team, Ray. Um, it was made for a guy like Shohei Otani. Um, and, and he gets the spot. Uh, not only has the pitching been good, but the hitting has been strong. Although with Otani, we're going on about a three week run, Ray, where he's been pretty quiet with the bat. You know, he's hitting about 200 since the third week of May. Um, here we are in the, in the second week of June. So he, he has slowed down, but there's still enough here of the overall picture to make him uh, our top utility player in the AL. Yeah. And it's, you know, what, what's even more remarkable than all the obvious, you know, everyone knows. I mean, the performance is really there. Like you said, he, you know, downturn of late and 256 average is not very good, but you know, he's a player that's on pace to go, what, 40, 20. I mean, whew. and you know, his run production, you know, it's got 42 RBIs, and you say, oh, it's in 57 games, which is really good, yeah. But he's also only got 199 bats. Like, that's not a huge number for 57 mm-hmm. games played, you know, for a guy who hits at the top of the order a lot. So he has been uber productive, and it's extremely impressive. You toss in what he does with the arm, and you get why people are so excited. Speaking of the arm, um, you know, he can almost – he's not going to make top three, but, again, Otani has been top 20 probably in the American League as just a pitcher. But the the top three starting pitchers and, and the top two relievers, here's our five-man staff, Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn, Carlos Rodon, and then out of the bullpen, Aroldis Chapman and Liam Hendricks. Um, no real surprises there, Ray, except for Rodon. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he kind of did the Odolis Garcia thing. 
Rodon was left for dead. Oh, you know, he had such potential. And the White Sox had even said, you know what? We'll move on from Carlos Rodon. Good thing that nobody else took him up on that offer. He stayed with the White Sox. He's been a stud. He and Lance Lynn, again, top two White Sox pitchers. And with their injuries, Robert Jimenez, some other guys, they needed to have stud pitching, and they're getting it. You got Lynn doing great. You got Rodon doing great. They've outdone the two other guys who get a lot more attention. I mean, many more player baseball fans know Dallas Keuchel and Lucas Giolito than Lynn and Rodon, but it's those overlooked pieces that have shined for the White Sox. Really? What's going on with Rodon? I mean, you know, somehow – and I've gone through the litany of injuries with him, shoulder, elbow, arm, whatever, every part of his upper body. How is it possible that he is throwing four miles an hour harder than he did in 2019? How is it possible that he's throwing two miles an hour faster than he's ever thrown in his life? How is it possible after 58,000 injuries that he's throwing harder than ever before? I, it's remarkable. He's also he hasn't he throws three pitches and his pitch distribution in terms of the percentage of pitches he throws basically the same as always, a couple percent off the fastball, a couple extra percent of the changeup. So he hasn't added a new pitch. You know it's the same it's the same mix as always. Uh, the ground ball fly ball ratio same as always. Like there's so is a home run to fly ball ratio same as always. And you look up and he looks like Roger Clemens or Clayton <laughs> Kershaw. I mean it's like what is. But, but I, a Rodon owner, Ray, will probably say, yeah, but he hasn't won a game for me in a month. Well, yeah. Like he really, his last win was on May 7th. It's not like he's pitching bad, mm -hmm. but this is kind of the other side. In April, he got great run support when he really didn't need it. He was so dominant. He didn't need six, seven runs a game, but he got it. Now, Ray, the last few times out, he's not getting any run support from the White Sox suddenly. Ray, stop complaining. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just channeling I, my inner flowers. That was here. very good, actually. Um, I mean, the, the two things to keep an eye on, obviously, with him, well, three, health, and that's just what it is. Um, his strikeout rate is 37%. His career mark coming into this season was 22%. You don't go up 50% there. You don't, you don't do it. It doesn't happen. So keep an eye on that. And also, he's cut his walk rate in half. <laughs> so we have a 50% increase in the strikeout rate and then a 50% decrease in the, in the walk rate. That doesn't happen. It so I'll be fascinated to see. And I, I at this point, honestly, I hope he doesn't get hurt because I want to see how it plays yeah. out. My fear is that I know it's the same as yours, Kyle. He's going to get hurt. So we'll be left with these spectacular numbers in the what if. It'll be fascinating to see how it goes the rest of the way. You know, we, we, in the bullpit, we've talked about Chapman. Uh, we haven't mentioned Hendricks much, but I, I mean, Ray, what he has done with his career, I, I'm trying to think of a comparison. It's, you know, like this guy was a nobody out of the bullpen for like a decade. And suddenly, Ray, the last two-plus seasons, starting in 2019, he's like been unhittable. It's nuts. And, and, and the White Sox got a lot of criticism uh, by signing him and giving him a lot of money, but it's been worth it. I don't think they're complaining, and I don't think fantasy owners are complaining about Hendricks at all this season. Yeah, because normally what we see with the bullpen guys, right, is a lot of times the bullpen guys are – they've been injured – they failed as starters. They migrate to the bullpen. So we've seen guys later in their careers, Dennis Ackersley, we've seen guys later in their careers become closers. We haven't seen many guys, like you're saying, be a kind of a whatever reliever for a decade and then become a closer that's elite. Like that, that's more on the rare end. I agree with you. And really, since the start of 2019, um, he has been basically the same pitcher every year and it's filthy dominant stuff. I mean, it's just, and you know, you run into this. It's been three years now, right? It is 130 innings. I mean, eh, you know, it's not like it's 1,000 innings. It's not like it's 500 innings. It's not really that big a sample size, but it's three years, you know, of a 180 ERA, of a 0.8 whip. I mean, this is just dominance. And uh, he was drafted accordingly this year, and he started a little slow in the saves column in particular, but you look up now and everything's okay. Yep, you bet. There's the AL team, Sal Perez behind the plate. Uh, Vlad at first, Simeon at second, Devers at third, Bichette at short. The, Gar the outfield made up of Garcia, Martinez, Meadows, Utility, Otani. And then again, a top three pitchers, Cole, Lennon, Rodon, Chapman, and Hendricks as the relievers. Let's go to the National League, the two spot in our starting nine. And the first three names on this list, Ray, are Buster Posey behind the plate, Max Muncy at first place, and Chris Taylor at second base. I would have not predicted any of them 
as the top three guys or as the top guy at their position coming into the year. But two plus months in, that's the list. Posey, Muncie, and Taylor to get us rolling in the National League. Yeah, Taylor's got that flexibility, which is so nice. Uh, you know, you can play him here, there. You and I have talked about him a lot. It's always every time you get concerned that he's going to lose playing time, someone else gets hurt and it just stays in the lineup every day. He's a great player for the Dodgers to have, and he's very productive. He's, you know, he's had some really good seasons. He's never been a star, but he's had some really good seasons. And that flexibility it just allows him to be there. And, you know, even if you look at his numbers now, it's not like, does any single number jump off the board? It's like, eh, they're just all really good. And, you know, kudos to him for, for doing it. Muncie has um, had a lot of ups and downs. He's always been that, that run producer kind of in the Joey Gallo mold, guy that, you know, you look at his batting average and, uh, but he had a run there, did uh, did Muncie, where well, I was uh, three weeks, was on base range like 500. Like, he just didn't get out. And, you know, he he his numbers have been terrific to date. He also has that positional flexibility, which is terrific. And then Posey, we've joked about it. Everyone, I think, has. We all expect – we don't know. I expected him to be better this year, right? After last year's time off, I thought, okay, we'll see a little bit more of Buster Posey. Great he's, catcher, too, was kind of yeah, what right. we were hoping for. Yeah, yeah. you know, he's going to hit 280. He'll hit 12 home runs. I'll be happy with that, right? I think that's fine. This guy, you know, we can we can joke around and say we've never – I mean, we can joke around honestly and say we've never seen him hit like this. This is an MVP-level player. It's a guy winning batting titles and MVP and World Series, and he's doing this? And his, you know, what is this, his 13th year or whatever the hell it is? Like, holy cow, It's it's been remarkable. And he had a little slump of late, and then you look up, and he's, you know, a couple of nice games in a row. He's back batting average back up to 333. The OPS is almost 1,000. He has been stupendous. So anyone that invested in Buster Posey, they're doing cartwheels. You know, moving to the left side of the infield, Ray, as we look at the top contributors in fantasy baseball, the, the number one guys at shortstop and third base, the names aren't shockers. But kind of how they got here, maybe. Like, Fernando Tatis, not shocking. I mean, he was drafted, you know, number three, number four, whatever it may have been. So it's not shocking he's there. But to see him doing this with injuries is damn impressive. And kind of to see the the power-speed combo just blossom for him. And then at third base, you know, he's moved all over the field. So I guess we'll call him a third baseman for our purposes. But Chris Bryant, it's, it's not a shocking name, Ray, but... I think coming off of last season and coming into this season, a lot of people have kind of moved on from Chris Bryant and he's kind of done the Posey. He's not as old as Posey, but he's going back to prime level Chris Bryant when a lot of people thought that was kind of gone for Chris Bryant. Yeah, and the, the rumors were swirling that he was washed up, that he was done in Chicago, and could they get anything on the trade market for him? He was gone. And now you look up and you know the Cubs are – I think they're tied for the NL Central lead as we record this podcast. Uh, now there's all the, the questions about, well, Bryant looks back. Do we sign him now to a long-term? So it's like everything is flipped in six months. And it's been great to see because, you know, you know this, the listeners, I think, know this, that Bryant's always been one of my favorite players. And I've always thought that, you know, the expectations with him were so high that people sometimes missed how good he really is. Uh, and he is back to being that guy that's you're great for him after what was, you know, some tough times. And, you know, the other situation with Tatis is just – it's not remarkable that he's been terrific, as you said. That's how he was expected to perform. It's remarkable that he's done it. He's missed, what, 17, 18 games? Mm-hmm. Like, he's missed, like, a, a quarter of the season. Like, that's the, the – his per-game production is astounding. And it's just a matter of does the shoulder hang up – hold up, excuse me. I mean, think – he does – he's – I'm looking at his numbers. 41 runs in 43 games. 39 <laughs> RBIs in 43 games. This guy's on a 140-140 pace. Like – that I mean, goodness gracious. And then you talk about the home runs. He's on pace for what, 60 home runs? Oh, he's on pace for what, 40 steals? Like that's what his 162-game numbers are at right now. It's just been amazing. Yeah, he's lapping the field, like you noted, on per game. It's it's not even close who's the best per game performer in baseball. It's, it's Fernando Tatis. It, it's kind of a shame, Ray, that a guy like Trey Turner can't crack the list at shortstop, but he does crack the list as our utility player. And Trey Turner doesn't get talked about at all. Yeah. I mean, even on his own team, it's it's Juan mm-hmm. Soto is the guy. And, and Trey Turner gets respect in the fantasy game. But I kind of feel like here we are, you know, 10 weeks into doing this thing, and we never mentioned Trey Turner. And then I look up this morning, and it's like, well, he's on pace for probably his most RBIs ever, mm-hmm. for probably his most home runs ever. Mm-hmm. And he's still leading baseball in stolen bases, or at least the National League, I should say, in stolen bases. 
while hitting 300. Like <laughs> Trey Turner has been an absolute stud. If, if you know, if you went Trey Turner over Fernando Tatis, okay, you didn't get Tatis, but you know, your consolation prize is not all that bad this year. Yeah. I mean, I don't know of many guys that hit 300 and go 25, 35. Do you? I mean, I, <laughs> and you're right. It's, it's not that he's completely overlooked. Cause I think if you ask people, they'd be like, Oh yeah, he's, he's good. He's fine. He's not good or fine. He's great. He really yeah. is. And it, he has gone about his business in, in a relatively quiet manner in the fantasy world compared to the others. You're totally right about that. I think a lot of people when it comes to the Nats are talking about Juan Soto and, you know, that discussion of, do the batted ball metrics catch up to the actual performance because the performance has been a little down, even though the batted ball metrics are really good. Like where are we, are we going to get one? So, so there is all that focus there. Maybe it's Jordan, uh, Jordan, uh, Ryan Zimmerman, everyone's talking about who's been terrific in his limited work. You know, maybe they're talking about the Strasburg injury. So there's all these other storylines that cause people not to notice what you said, that not only is Trey Turner really, really good. He's a star in the fantasy game and he just keeps on doing it. Uh, the outfield, Ronald Acuna living up to all the hype. Uh, he's doing it again. Really, this guy has played, you know, four major league seasons, and he's been a star in all four of them. This is being his fourth one. Um, superstardom. That's that's happening again. No surprise to see Acuna there, Ray. It's good to see Acuna there. That means your investment is paying off. Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker. And, you know, we're coming off a day where Jesse Winker hit another three home runs. Um, it, it's pretty wild what those two guys are doing and they're, they're doing it home and away. They're killing everybody. They're hitting it, it high three hundreds, which is mind blowing in an era of like, even if you hit two you're, you're way above average. These guys are hitting like three forty, three fifty. It's, it's been stunning to watch those two reds. It has lefty righty and they just get it done. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not even going to go negative here. I'll just say one thing. Um, if those guys return to who they are, let's say they both return the rest of the way to hitting 280, right? They're still going to hit what 330 this year, 325. Uh -huh. I mean, it's remarkable for both. Just in like you said, the huge returns because both guys in some in some areas, of course, people were, were still aggressively pursuing these guys. But in other drafts, oh, yeah, I'll take Castellanos. Yeah, I'll take Winker. You know, it wasn't they weren't hunted out by a lot of people, and they have been tremendous. Um, the Acuna thing can't dispute anything you said. I will point out just to throw it out there. He's hitting like 235 the last 25 days. I mean, I, his batting, we were just talking about, you know, Trey Turner. Trey Turner's batting average is what, 35 points higher than Ronald Acuna? Like, and that was the one piece with Acuna. And it's not going to matter if he hits, you know, 45, 50 home runs and steals 30 base. It's not going to matter. Mm -hmm. But the one piece we did talk about in the preseason, you and I, and I said, well, the batting average, I'm not sure. It's down in the 270s now, just something to keep an eye on. Well, and, and Ray, you look at like all the names that we're going through with the hitting side, like, you know, these guys swing, Tatis swings, Acuna swings, Adolis Garcia swings, Vlad obviously swings, you know, Bichette even, you know, the, these guys just go up there and they hack and that, that's where we're at. And, and these guys are young enough and explosive enough that even with maybe some, some worrisome trends, you're like, oh, they'll get it going. You know, they'll figure it out. You know, they're going to have 230 runs for, for three weeks. Uh, but then they'll have a three-week run of of 330. Mm -hmm. um, and, and eventually it all evens out, and Acuna certainly fits there. Now let's go to the pitching in the NL. Um, top three starting pitchers. <laughs> Jake DeGrom's not number one, by the way. He's a very close number two. Kevin Gaussman is number one. Um, and Ed Ray, I, you know, depending on how you grade these guys, like DeGrom is awesome in whip and ERA and K's, but he has missed a couple of starts. He doesn't have the wins that Gaussman has. Gaussman's doing really well in those other categories, but Gaussman, DeGrom, Woodruff, those are your starters and your two relievers, Josh Hader and, and Alex Reyes. Um, obviously Gaussman and Reyes, those are the two ones that you wouldn't have expected to be here two months ago. Correct. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Gaussman's uh, the fascinating one to me because he, he's, he's always, and I, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when I used to tell people to draft Kevin Gaussman eight years ago. Like, I remember that. Like, I was all over Kevin Gaussman. And then the injuries and the poor performance kind of started to seep. And he was never bad. He just wasn't, didn't quite get there. And, you know, then the, the expectations, you know, and people move on. You know how this goes. And it's like, oh, the guy's a good pitcher, but eh. And what he has done since he's joined the Giants is fulfill every possible expectation me or anyone else had. Me or any great sense, right? Anyone had. And then some, he has become a superstar really since the start of last season, not just this year, since the start of last season. 
And it'll be, I'm fascinated to see if he signs a long-term deal with the Giants because he's going to get paid. And, you know, will he say the Giants resurrected my career? I'm comfortable here. Look at the success. Will he, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But he has been absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, DeGrom and Woodruff, I think we expected them to be there. But he, he's obviously the one there that pops out. And then in the, in the, the relievers, Kyle, you know, you see Reyes. And he's been, he's been fascinating because we didn't know what his role was going to be. Was he going to start half the time, relieve half the time? What, what are they going to do with him? You know, they're, they're hoping the former superstar prospect just stays healthy. They're hoping to get him to 100 innings. And you look up and he's on the leaderboard for saves. It's like, not only is he on the leaderboard for saves, he's never blown a save. And, oh, by the way, he's barely given up a run this year. His ERA is in single digits. I mean, it's below one. And then you look at his whip and his walk rate, Kyle, and they're explosive. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you're there, you're watching. What do you think? Times he goes out there, he just can't even throw a strike. Yeah, and it's it's living on the edge. He he's going to have a leveling off. Now I still think save numbers will be there, but Ray he just can't keep this ERA. Um, and and this whole pitching staff has had issues throwing strikes. It's not just Reyes. Like literally, they lead baseball in the number of walks and the number of batters hit. So <laughs> they've got guys all over the base pass. Like if you look at their opponent's batting average, it's it's terrible. But they put so many guys on base with, again, leading baseball in hit batters and walks. So if they ever figure it out, and, and I look at Reyes, and I don't know if he really figures it out. I think this is going to kind of just be a thing with him. I do think he stays in the ninth inning, though. I think the wheels would really have to come off for him to be removed from that ninth inning. Um, you know, back to, to Gaussman, Ray, mm-hmm. real quickly. And, yeah. and, you know, comparing him to DeGrom, everybody would take DeGrom, I think, moving forward. You know, there's nobody taking Kevin Galsman. Um, it's worth noting with Galsman. I, I think, Ray, he has only been on the DL once in his career, which is kind of like DeGrom. I think DeGrom's two or three times, and, and they've never been serious injuries. But Galsman's one of these guys, Ray, that seriously, he's really a 30-start pitcher every single year. Mm-hmm. And so he's a guy you look down the stretch here and you say, they're not going to hold him back. You know, he, he's 30 years old. And he's not a 30-year-old who's never done it. This is a 30-year-old who can go 185, maybe 190 innings. That may be something he has on DeGrom. I don't know if he has the excellence the rest of the way, but maybe he's better a better bet for 28 starts this year than Jacob DeGrom is. And, and certainly when we're looking at guys rest of the way, who's going to be in there? You kind of feel best about, Jake, uh, about Kevin Gaussman of, of guys in baseball just because – you know, th- this isn't a fireballer. This isn't a 24-year-old. This isn't somebody who's got a giant contract. Um, Kevin Gaussman is pitching for a giant contract, and he's pitching for a team that needs him to be out there every five days. You know, this could be the guy who, lo and behold, we get to the end of the season, and he leads the National League in innings pitch this year. Yeah, uh, he could. He could. Now, you never know how this is going to go. In the innings pitch number, what's it, it could be 181. Like, who knows, right? But – he, I think you hit on a bunch of key points with Gaussman, and that is, one, his age and his experience. Two, he's pitching for a team that kind of out of nowhere is in, all of a sudden in the mix here, right? So they'll, they'll want to keep him going if they're, if they're in that same spot pushing for the playoffs. Three, we both mentioned the contract. While he's pushing for a new contract, the Giants have nothing invested in him yeah. after this year. If he blows his arm out in the final start of the season, sorry, Kevin, but... Yeah, you know, it's, they don't have, you know, it's not like DeGrom, right? So your parting gift is a $19 million contract, yeah, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so there, there are a lot of reasons to think, you know, come hell or high water, as they say, that if Gaussman is healthy, you know, he's a guy that in the last week of the season, he starts on three days rest if they need him to, right? They, yeah. they, they could cert- certainly do that. So it is something to keep in mind. So there's your NL team, Posey, Muncie, Taylor, Bryant, Tatis Jr. Then in the outfield, Acuna, Castellanos, Winker. Uh, utility trade Turner pitchers, Gaussman, DeGrom, Woodruff, Hader, and Reyes. As we move to the three spot, Ray, uh, this kind of follows up on, on Gaussman, on DeGrom, um, on Carlos Rodon. We are now in June, and Ray, the, one of the big story. well, there have been a lot of storylines. It's um, injuries. It's um, pitchers just shutting down offenses. And I just wanted to pick your brain. Might we be getting to a point? where the pitching is going to level off a bit. And there's a lot of things you can look at. I've, I've been coming across some articles, even some trades that people are making, Ray, and they're almost trading away pitching because they think, well, this is going to be a mess for some of these guys later in the year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to miss starts. They're going to get injured. 
you know, the weather's heating up. They're not going to have the stick them anymore. And I'm seeing people making trades with the idea that pitching will slow down as we get deeper into the season. And by slowing down, I mean not as dominant. Where do you come out on that, Ray? Because there's a lot of winds swirling right now. We've, we've always had the thing with the summer months. You know, it, the hitters catch up in the summer and the ball flies further. But there's other things going up with pitchers right now. And, and maybe one of the simplest, Ray, is can you be this dominant for a pure season? Maybe it's just the pure odds of saying they can't dominate for six months. Sure, they can do it for two months. But they, can they really do it for another four months when you look at pitchers? Yeah, earlier in the podcast today, we were talking about sample sizes and we were, when we were discussing the Toronto Blue Jays. And I mentioned, hey, you know, such a small sample size for home and away. But I also said the season, right? And that's it's true. We're rough, roughly a third of the way here, right? And that's not, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, when you need 700 of this and 400 of that, like it's, we're still figuring this out. And some of the performances have been so dominant that you just have to worry about a leveling off and not a leveling off like we were talking earlier with some of these guys, right? Not a leveling off to the point where, oh man, you know, they're not going to, you know, Castellanos and Winker are going to hit 260 this year. No, we're talking about leveling off and being coming kind of who they are. And there's so many pitchers that are just blowing away expectations. And we can talk about reasons for that. We can talk about pitchers cheating. We can talk about spin rates. We can talk about the weather. We can talk about poor offense. Like there's so many different ways we can go here to cause concern to be you know, brought up. And then there's the final piece. And I've had a couple of people over the weekend at Fantasy Guru in the chat room. Uh, for those people that don't know, we have a chat room. You leave a question, you get answers. It's much better than Twitter. Um, they, they've asked questions like, well, do I do this trade? I, Trevor, Trevor Rogers is the name that came up. And it's like, I know, I know, he's, but do I do this trade? And it's like, I love that level of thinking because whether it turns out to be the right move or not, when you, especially with these young arms, Kyle, when you're looking at guys that didn't throw official pitches last year, who've never thrown more than 92 innings in a season or whatever it might be, to think the major league teams, you know, come August 25th, are just still going to be running these guys out there and asking them to throw six innings. I'm not seeing that being what happens. Yeah, there, there's a lot working against pitching, Ray. Um, like I said, the weather heating up is one we always see. Uh, the pure odds of being able to do it for six months. Obviously, the way these guys are, are massaged through a season, that's a huge effect. Um, the general wear and tear, I mean, we're seeing guys every day go on the IL. You know, we saw a good one over the weekend. John Means, who's had a great start to the season. He's now on the IL. Who knows when he's going to be back? And then, Ray, here in the last week, we've heard a lot more about baseball getting ready to uh, seriously crack down on perhaps illegal substances being used by baseball. Um, as Mike Schultz of the Cardinals said, the dirty little secret, mm -hmm. but it's, it's no longer a secret, Ray. And, and like I said, in the last week, you know, two practitioners of great spin rates, Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, um, have seen their spin rates fall off a cliff, relatively speaking. Um, you know, things that you just don't see, oh, one pitch versus the other. This is like, wow, these guys haven't been this low on their spin rate in like three years. And, and so, Ray, I, I wonder, was the word put out last week? And with that spin rate dropping, maybe the hitters uh, regain a bit of an edge as we go into these months. Yeah, late last week, I couldn't take it anymore, Kyle. Um, <laughs> and I did a, I, there's a podcast. I just, I, I, just, I was going to write an article. I said, screw this. And I just flipped on the thing and recorded just a solo podcast where it's called Changes Coming and Cheating. And I just, I basically spent 40 minutes ranting on topic, the, basically this topic, uh, really wasn't a, fantasy podcast it was more of a baseball what the hell's going on thing and so people can go and listen to that if they want to hear me just rant for half an hour about this because i'm trying to stay somewhat positive today but um it's a legitimate question you know because cole and, and bauer are losing 220 250 rpms i mean it happens guys have you know guys have games where they don't go out with their best stuff yeah those two guys at the same time right as this is all kind of, it looks suspicious and i I am in agreement with you that I wouldn't be surprised if Major League Baseball kind of said, look, guys, here's the date. You got till then. Fix it or it's over. Like, yeah. And we're hearing things about, you know, 10-game suspensions without pay. It's the without pay part that I love because the 10-game suspension, these guys don't care. They're going to get paid in the offseason <laughs> if their area is 1-1, right? They don't care. But if they lose $100,000, $500,000, then they care. Yeah. So we'll see what they do here with, with but I, I really, I don't want to see guys getting frisked every five minutes on the Hill. I think that's, that's so well, childish. I think it would take two or three guys, Ray, and, and everybody would get the message, you know, make an example out of two or three guys. But, but like, like in the, apparently the, the commissioner's office has got, you know, people are sending in anonymous 
This guy goes to the belt on the left side. I mean, like they know every everyone knows what these guys yeah, do. Did, and, did you see the video on Karen check last week? I don't know uh, if you saw it. Steve no. Stone of the White Sox is yeah, breaking yeah. down how he's got something in his mitt. Right. Uh, you know, that he was rubbing on mm-hmm. his fingers with the bit. I mean, it's yeah. I, I, saw, I think we're we're coming to a point where everybody's yeah. got their eyes peeled for this stuff. Yeah, I saw that exact same thing with uh, you, Darvish. I saw one of those yesterday. Uh, and again, there play hitters and there was a great interview in the athletic with with Josh Donaldson because he had a bunch of social media back and forth. Uh, I don't know if it was Dallas Braden, whoever he was talking to, but he did a full interview the other day and it's it's at, over at the athletic and he he basically laid it all out. And he said, This is just nonsense. He goes, This is the steroid era, like this is nonsense. And I SI had a great article that I quoted in that podcast I did. People can find the link there. Um, to where they talked to Charlie Blackman, and Charlie Blackman said, I I have to untrain my eyes because, you know, he didn't say this exactly, but what he said is for 30 years, I've done this. I've got a catalog in my brain. I know when the pitch goes here, how I, I know, this is a 300 hitter, 30 home run hitter, all-star. And he is saying that he swings where his body is telling him to swing and he misses the pitch because the ball is doing things it can't do. And that's the problem that hitters have. They've, they've, they've spent their entire lives locking this all in. The pitchers are using that stuff. It's getting a little more lift, a little more sink, a little more... So they've just taken it to the point where the hitters finally said enough. And I think we've almost reached that tipping point. Well, and, and so what's the actionable intelligence, you know, cause I don't know how predictive, Hey, is baseball going to really crack down on these guys? Like we can't really sit here and predict all that. The actionable intelligence for me, Ray is, you know, looking long term with pitching. And, and I was going back and forth with you last week. I had a huge trade in one of my home leagues and I needed pitching and Ray, the targets I went after are guys who are vets guys who I don't think are going to get shut down. And like Zach Greinke, uh, Kyle Hendricks, I got both them in that trade. Right. Uh, one of your favorites, Zach Eflin, I got in that mm-hmm, trade. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was, I'm not looking for the dynamite 23 year old who I've never seen go through 25 starts in a season. I was looking for boring guys who, who may not make as huge as an impact game to game, but I feel better about them being out there. Now it's no guarantee. Kyle Hendricks may get hurt two days from now. But I, I, that was the actionable intelligence for me is going out and getting guys who are, they're not going to have restraints, relatively speaking. They're not rookies. There's not some investment from the team worrying about, oh, well, they're coming up on arbitration, you know, this kind of crap. I, I just went out and got guys who I think are going to be out there every five days the rest of the way. Yeah, guys who know how to pitch, right? And, and it'll see, as an analyst, you look at these things and you, you do your best to basically – tell a story, right? You start in chapter one, you get to the conclusion, you tell a story. And the problem that we've had as analysts and the problem we're having with the game now is that we have the story three quarters told. And then all of a sudden the story is no longer about a dragon. Now it's about a spaceship. Like what the hell just happened? Like how, how did this just change so dramatically? You have these pitchers that are sloughing along for 10 years and all of a sudden they're an all-star like, okay, that happens, but it doesn't really happen. So a leveling off here could be significant because you hear the, all the stories that you read about this. And if you dig into it, it's kind of like the steroid thing where there are, you know, what percentage of major league pitchers are major league pitchers because of cheating? I mean, honestly, you know, all these bullpens with all these guys throwing 95 miles an hour, would all these guys be at double a or triple a right now because they throw 95 miles an hour, but they can't control the pitch. Does the stick them allow them to control the pitch better? Does it allow them just to ramp it up? So instead of having two inches of cut, and now it's five inches of cut. Like these are legitimate questions. And unfortunately, you know, without knowing who's doing what, when, uh, we're going to have to learn as we go. And it's going to make an analysis very difficult. Well, as we move to the four spot in our starting nine, um, Ray, here's another guy that's kind of a boring pitcher. But if you're looking for pitching and maybe you're looking for consistency, predictability, mm-hmm. might be a guy to look at Marcus Stroman. Um, again, kind of in that Eflin Hendricks, uh, grinky range of a boring pitcher, but again, an innings eater, if such a thing exists in 2021, (laughs) that would be Marcus Stroman coming off another good effort yesterday for the season. I mean, we're talking about a guy with a sub two and a half ERA. The whip is, is trending towards one. Now, again, we know the strikeout story, but Marcus Stroman thought we'd do a player profile Mm -hmm. of him because he kind of fits the picture of somebody that if I were looking for pitching help, I, I'd be trying to target a guy like Stroman. Yeah. And right now his ERA is two, four, it, it, you know, if it was three, four this year. Okay. You know what I mean? Like expect the ERA to go up, expect the one Oh eight whip to go up. Well, Ray and Kyle, why would you go target the guy? You just, no, well, no. I'm saying the rate, your expectation should be the ratios go up a little bit, 
But having the ratios slowly go up over the next you know four months is different than not having a guy pitching in four months. You know, Stroman, his mechanics are excellent. He keeps the ball on the ground. He shouldn't have a bunch of blow up efforts, right? Because he again, he keeps everything on the ground. This year, he's holding the walks down as if it was the first three years of his career. That's great to see because it's, it's just a combination, like you're saying, of a guy that knows how to pitch and he's healthy and he's being effective. And does he throw 180 innings pitching this way? I expect him to. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Stroman, a guy, too, who ever since he got to the National League, Ray, he's, you know, we, we hear this all the time. Oh, he doesn't have to face the DH anymore. And, and Stroman has kind of taken advantage of that. Um, now, he had a couple of, I don't want to say rough years in the in the American League, but he was a little more hit or miss. But since he got to the Mets, Ray, I mean, 23 starts with this team, and you've got a guy sitting in 23 starts at like 140 innings mm-hmm. almost, 130-plus innings, uh, nine and six. The ERA is like close to three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whip hasn't been great, but it's been good. The strikeouts have been better. I just feel Stroman is is one of those overlooked guys that, and maybe after yesterday against San Diego, the immediate price is a little high. But if he were to have a couple of slip-ups here in the next week or so, uh, that would be a guy I'd come calling after. And, it, you know, that's something as we get into the trade market and proving a team, you know, how do I do it or how do I find a pitcher? Timing rate is really everything. Like, you don't want to call on the Marcus Stroman owner today. Um, you want to have him on a watch list or five or six veteran pitchers on a watch list. And, kind of see if they have a, a, a four runs in three innings with two strikeouts kind of right. snafu. Right. And that's when you strike on the trading market. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you look at Stroman, he was 14 and 22 in 2018, 19, didn't pitch last year. And so, you know, his, his or her owner right now, um, they have Stroman, they didn't invest heavily. So if he has a couple of rough outings, they would probably be inclined to move him, right? This is not the guy they took in the third round that they built their pitching staff around. Yeah, he gets no strikeouts either, yeah. relatively yeah. speaking. So and you, and you could say to the person, that. well, he's a slightly better Kyle Hendricks. And they might go, yeah, yeah. okay. And so, yeah, he's a perfect example of a guy that, like you said, right now, a eh, couple of outings where it's a little rough, investigate. Yeah, boring guys who can help you. Um, it's always a key in fantasy baseball. Moving to the five spots, some news and notes, uh, mostly injuries as usual. Um, no timetable on Mike Trout. The Angels said that over the weekend. But, Ray, we do have a timetable on Byron Buxton. Uh, maybe by the end of this week, Byron Buxton is back on the field for the Twins. Dynamic talent, performing at elite levels before he was hurt. Let's hope he can stay healthy for longer than three weeks. Um, he constantly gets hurt. Constantly. I'd love to see what he could do if he didn't. Uh, Alberto Mondesi is kind of constantly getting hurt. He's back on the I.L. with a hamstring injury. Evan Longoria probably going to miss six to eight weeks with a shoulder could be more after he ran into Brandon Crawford, trying to make a defensive play on Saturday night. Javi Baez of the Cubs, as we record this, they are set for an MRI on his wrist, hand, thumb region, something to do with the uh, hand area. Uh, we'll see on Baez. And then Ray, there were a couple of call-ups, one being Jackson Kowar mm-hmm. of the Kansas city Royals has been called up. In fact, he's going to make a start Monday night against the angels. Now, we know this didn't end up well with Daniel Lynch. Um, how about Jackson Kowar? Yeah, the most recent tweet I received over at Baseball Guys, is Jackson Kovar a must-add? It's like, folks, <laughs> no, he's not a must-add. Is he an ad? It depends on your scenario. It depends on your setup. Um, he throws extremely hard. He, uh, he's been much better about locating his fastball this year. Uh, the changeup can be dynamic. They're very impressed by what the curveball uh, has to offer. So, does he profile as someone that can have early success at the big league level? Yeah. Does he profile as someone that must? No. You, you mentioned Daniel Lynch. This is what, you know, take a pick, folks. This is why yeah. it's so Don't difficult. Crazy. There's going to be another Jackson Kowar in yeah. two weeks. Yes, there will. <laughs> and, you know, the thing with Kowar is at, at some point you have to, it's not, does he have the talent to have success right now? Yes. So Alec Manoa was great in his first start. How'd that second start go? That It's really uneven. And the thing I would always caution and tell people to do when they're, when they're making these decisions, and you've already added them probably by this point because Fab ran most leagues last night, right? But you, you look at this rotation with the Royals. It's Keller, Miner, Seeger, Bubik, and Kowar. What happens when Danny Duffy's healthy? Danny Duffy was pitching at a Cy Young level when he got hurt. Where does Kowar fit? Well, maybe someone else gets hurt. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe Daniel Lynch has three shutout in a row in the minor leagues, and they got so be cautious. There's not a lockdown role for Kowar moving forward. So I wouldn't be all in at this point. Well, and as we talk about him, we should give a uh, congrats to Logan Gilbert, 
He yeah. got a win on True. Sunday, his first major league win. Uh, took, um, what, five starts to get that win? Um, and he wasn't exceptional yesterday, but he was good enough. You know, five innings, one run, seven Ks. He did walk four guys, gave up a home run. But he now has his first major league win, sitting with an ERA of about five uh, through his first five starts. So it's been okay, but nothing spectacular, even with a guy like Loban Gilbert. You mentioned the waiver wire bidding, Ray. We always like to check in that on uh, Mondays. And uh, we do the Sirius XM Host League. Ray and I are both a part of that league. And outfielders were kind of on the minds of many. Um, I was one of them, Ray. I, I went 29 bucks on Miguel Andahar. I've just got, I've got Grisham out. I've got Kellenick who's not hitting. I've got Trout who's out. I think I got another outfielder on the IL. So I just needed somebody. Um, you know, there's not a lot out there, but I went Andahar, got him for 29 bucks. Some other outfielders, Renfro went for 45. Uh, Harold Ramirez for three bucks. I think you got Taylor Trammell for 13 bucks. I did. I had Renfro right there. I bid on him. He was my second guy. You would have you outbid me. Yeah, I had Renfro as like a $25 bid there, but I did have him behind Andujar. Yeah, I had Andujar on my list too, but you outbid me there. So yeah, I, I didn't, I just didn't think, look at any of these guys and think that I didn't want to invest as heavily as you did because I didn't see yeah. there being a guy that really stood out. I'll take a chance on Taylor Trammell and it's 13 bucks. And, you know, just to put it out there, cause he's back now. Kyle Lewis is hurt. We've talked about Kellnick. He's been awful. Uh, down on the farm, you know, 384 batting average with six home runs and three steals in 17 games. Sure looked like Tramiel found his swing. We'll see what he does the rest of the way. He might play every day. It wasn't a crazy weekend for bidding there. Eric Hossey, eight bucks in a two-catcher league. Um, he's looked better of late. Maybe he uh, has a role with Detroit, but that was kind of it there. Uh, nothing spectacular, nothing that uh, people were going crazy for. We've seen other weeks, you know, in the 100s, certainly even the 200s, but uh, none of that this week, kind of a quiet week uh, on the waiver wire bidding. Uh, moving to the seven in our uh, starting nine here, Ray, it's our chance to check in on Rob Povia's uh, weekly, weekly planner uh, column. It was up at uh, fantasyguru.com over the weekend. He updates it throughout the week. And we like to spotlight a couple of things. Uh, first, we can tell you only three teams with a seven-game week, Boston, KC, and Miami. Uh, there are nine teams with five-game weeks. So you start to run into that spot of, you know, do I play this really good player with five games or do I look at this guy with seven games? So you might have some of those decisions. Speaking of a five-game week, Ray, one of those teams is Cleveland. Um, now, Shane Bieber could get a two-start week. Um, and you're going to run Shane Bieber regardless, but – this is kind of the agony is, you know, you sit there and you say, well, is he really going to get two starts? Because he, I think he's set for like Tuesday against St. Louis, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then with off days, he could actually make a start on a normal turn in the rotation on Sunday, but we don't know what Cleveland's going to do. They, they may say, Hey, we'll buy him a couple of extra days rest because we've seen that elsewhere in baseball. Um, I'm trying to think of the two guys this weekend where they pushed him back a day or two. Uh, I think Rodon might have been one of them where he was scheduled for Sunday. They moved him to Tuesday. There was another guy uh, kind of on the higher end that they pushed back a day or two to. Oh, Glasnow was the other guy. Yeah, Glasnow. Sorry. Yeah, yeah he was going to go on Sunday. They pushed him. We, we may see that with Bieber. So, again, I, you're not going to bench Justin Bieber. But, again, it goes to the uncertainty of pitching even with some of these big-name guys. You pulled the Ray. You said Justin Bieber, by the way. <laughs> That's something I would totally do. Uh, yeah, it's a great question. And like you said, luckily for the people that have Bieber on their squad, they're starting him regardless, but it is something to monitor. It's a huge difference, especially in a head to head setup. Of course, getting that second start, it really hurts when they take it away. Um, by the way, what, why is major league baseball have three games on a Monday? Yeah. Like, I, I come One on the vagaries of the schedule and it would have been two, except for a rain makeup. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, eh. and, and then, and then like you're saying, there's these teams that are having multiple off days, like the Arizona, Atlanta, Baltimore, Cleveland, like all these teams are off today and then they're off on Wednesday. Ah, it's just a weird schedule this week. So yeah, everyone should check their, their games played and their players very closely. Uh, probably not going to be as many two-start guys this week as, as we usually get. And on the hitting side, Ray, um, you know, we got a couple of big DH level dudes who are in NL parks, like Shohei Atani's got three games. And then NL Park, so we don't really know his status. If you're in a league where he's two different players, we don't really – I wouldn't expect them to really play this week or are enough to get you in – put them in your lineup. And then Giancarlo Stanton's another one, right? That guy hasn't played the field, and he's coming off an injury. I, I would think both those guys might be on a lot of fantasy benches this, this week just because of a lack of games. Yeah, that's definitely something you have to take a look at. The pivot player obviously matters a lot, but if you're not in the lineup, you're not doing anything. And in the case of uh, – Great sentence, right? In the case of Giancarlo Stan, he hadn't done anything. He has 12 strikeouts his last 24 at-bats. 
since he's come back. It's brutal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's not even putting the ball in play. And then looking at a lack of DH, um, yeah, I don't think he should be active for most people this week. Yeah, Stanton is one of those guys, Ray, where it's like you can't really – like this week you could bench him because of the circumstances right. with the NL Park. But you don't like doing it even when he's in a slump because – he can go off at any moment. You're just kind of stuck with him. As long as he's playing, you almost are forced to play John Carlos Stanton. Yeah, I mean, if he hits four home runs in a three-game series, no one's shocked. And so, yeah, you're right. Um, and just because, and this is the other fart part with, with Stan, just because he struck out 12 of his last 24 bats doesn't mean he doesn't hit four home runs his next three games. I mean, that's – so, yeah, I've never been in on Stan. You know that. I don't think you've ever been in on Stan. Dude's always hurt. The, the ups and downs are just how it is. Uh, this is a week for him to be on your bench. Moving forward, got to have him back in there if you have him. Again, check out the uh, weekly planner. Rob Povia has it uh, every weekend. And again, he updates things as maybe pitching changes or maybe options change for certain teams. Uh, that page is certainly kept up to date. Uh, time now for our random reference. A chance to just click a random page at Baseball Reference. And we let the AI choose that random page. And today, Ray, they have chosen... A uh, September game from 1996, September 11th of 1996, the Florida Marlins, back then they were the Florida Marlins, uh, visiting the New York Mets at Old Shea Stadium, a 3-1 win for the New York Mets. And Ray, this is back when Jason Isringhausen was a starting pitcher still. This is before he became a very good closer. Um, Isringhausen got the win, but it only improved him to 6-13. and with the, that victory uh, didn't allow a run though in his six and two thirds innings. And I got to say some dude for the Mets named Derek Wallace got the save. Um, now that was the first save of the season. That might've been like the only save Derek Wallace ever had. I don't know if I've ever heard of Derek Wallace. Uh, I don't think I have either, to be honest with you. Um, Isringhausen is Isringhausen the one that fell out of the window, but he was so drunk. He didn't get hurt when he landed. What? I've never heard this story. You've never heard this story? Let me let me look this up. You sure you, Jason Isringhausen fell yeah, out of a say, window and didn't get hurt? Yeah, you, you say something smart here for the next 12 seconds. Let me do a search. Okay, well, I can tell you this. Um, that, that Marlins lineup had guys you heard of. The Mets lineup didn't. I mean, even you Mets fans, do you remember the Jason Hartke era? Matt Franco is your third baseman. Um, Alex Ochoa in right field. Roberto Pettigini over at first base. Yikes! That's scary for the Mets. It was better for the Marlins back in, uh, what was it, 97, 96? Actually, what year was it? Yeah, 96. I mean, they had Renteria, Sheffield, Conine, Devin White. A lot better for them. Okay, Ray, I gave you, you 30, did. 40 seconds. Did he fall out of a window? Did I, did I make this up? I think I, you made this up. I, I will do so. I'll, do, I'll tell the listeners this. I will do some research. So by the time the article, uh, the, excuse me, the podcast gets posted, I will list in the <laughs> explanation what my insanity was because uh, I'm not seeing it here in the, the brief yeah, time. Your, your random reference may have been totally false. It, it might have been complete lie. Um, but I, 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 someone fell out of a window and got hurt. I'll, I'm going to do some efforting to uh, figure that out. Well, speaking of uh, totally false, Carl Everett was was a Met back then. And, Ray, he doesn't believe in dinosaurs, does he? I mean, he, he's like a flat earther, I think. Oh, is he? Well, there's, I know Kyrie Irving. There's a whole bunch of people with yeah. some odd. Carl uh, Everett's one of those weird guys who has a lot of uh, interesting thoughts. No, uh, but that I, is Carl Everett hurt his knee uh, towards ACL arguing with an umpire. Is that accurate? <laughs> I think that may be. Okay, all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was a it was a feverish a fevered argument um that is our random reference that random game from september of 96 between the marlins and the mets finally ray stamp of approval we like to close the show down with something that uh, maybe over the last few days has piqued our interest so what do you got for us yeah um i'll say this soccer balls and not full size you know fives i'm talking fours and threes and the reason i say that is Got the uh, the new puppy, the Australian Shepherd, who loves to run, and he's he's a great little guy. He's seven and a half months old. We saw him chase the soccer ball at the park. So my significant other ordered, you know, a three, which is really small. It's about the size of a softball, and then a four, which is you know a little bit bigger. And he played with us chasing that ball around the yard. Didn't care that people were walking down the street. Didn't care anything that was going on. He just ran back and forth for 25 minutes. One one of the little ball in his mouth. The other one chasing it back and forth. He was putting his paw out, playing defense. He never tried to steal the ball that we were kicking. He was he was a defender the whole time. I got to get that guy some shin guards, Kyle. Yeah, I tell you what, my little guy, Walt, we do the same thing with like bubble machines. And, and he'll run around for 25 minutes following that. Crazy, right? Um, and he does the ball thing, too. But that's that's more not not near as interesting as the bubbles. Um, my stamp of approval. 
is going to go to something, you know, sometimes you don't appreciate things till they're gone. Um, here's a perfect example, the oven light. The oven light went out this weekend, Ray, and I, I do a lot of cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, now I got to go buy a, a fresh oven light. The bulb just blew out, you know, like they do. But Ray, when you can't look into the oven and see how things look and you have to open it every time and, and then it's still dark, you appreciate the oven light. And, and maybe I'll throw in the refrigerator light too. Now that has not gone out, but I'm sure it's going to at some point. These lights are things that, Ray, you take for granted, but they're hugely important to making your life easier. Yeah, it, I I oftentimes don't remember that it's on, so I'll open the oven up and have to run over to the wall and turn the overhead lights on in the kitchen where my significant other just goes up to the oven and goes, beep, the light goes on. I'm like, oh, damn, we got a light. Yeah. But um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's – is it easy to replace? Is it easy to get to? Or yeah, you it's, to... so what you have is there's like a protective shield. Right that you just kind of slide off. And then underneath that is a relatively small light bulb. Okay, so okay. you just screw that in. Just make sure you have the shield. If you don't have the shield, the thing will explode at, you know, God knows what temperature. So maybe I should also say the stamp of approval goes to that shield. So I just use the light more than I thought. And when you don't have it, you miss it. Uh, you don't know how the enchiladas are cooking. Kyle, I think the last oven light I replaced was the Easy Bake Oven. Yeah, I don't think it happens very often. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty good so bulbs, man. There it is. Uh, well, that takes us to the end of this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. Uh, Ray, where can the folks find you? Folks can find me on Twitter at Baseball Guys, on Instagram at The Ray Flowers. You can find me every Wednesday on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio with Jeff Manns on the Elite Sports Show. That's 4 to 6 Eastern. And then you can find Kyle and I on the same channel, SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio, on Friday nights from 10 to 12 Eastern and Saturdays and Sundays from 3 to 5 Eastern. And, and we should mention uh, the football draft guide's out, right? For people Absolutely. who are thinking about football, it's out and available at uh, Fantasy Guru. It is. You can just go to fantasyguru.com if you're uh, one of our baseball people anyway. Top left logo, top right join now tab. Just click on those, takes you there. Uh, and it's it's fantastic. I mean, I, I say this every year, but there are, there are things behind the scenes that are coming too, which are really exciting. But what's there right now, we've got an entire – dynasty league draft guide with rankings and player breakdowns we've got the staff draft up now we've got you know positional this positional that we've got coaching breakdowns offensive line breakdowns all the stuff you've come to expect and more in that draft guide this season and believe it or not we're like a month away from training camp seriously that's kind of where we are a little over a month i guess uh that will do it for us um where can you find me uh i guess i'm going to be at home depot looking for that that bulb get the right size i might do that right away uh we are out of here does it for the podcast hopefully we did it for you on this monday uh we will see you next monday as well another edition of the baseball elite podcast coming your way for ray flowers i am kyle elfrank hope you enjoyed the discussion today we'll talk to you in a week right here at fantasyguru.com 